0: Hello Wrenches, welcome to the WrenchTurner's Podcast, 10 mil Mastery Edition. I'm your host, Mr. Joshua Taylor, founder and CEO of WrenchTurners.Online, a business providing digital products and services to mechanics and service leaders everywhere. Digital products like the WrenchTurner's Wellness Survey, a product that helps service leaders diagnose mechanics' challenges in their work environment and the reverse interview, content that drives mechanics to your dealership. If you're interested in finding out more about products, services, or potentially being a podcast guest, please reach out to me at leader at justworkhard.com. On today's show, my guests are Marshall Sheldon, Russell Wickham, and Richard Mueller. On today's episode, we pontificate the challenges facing technicians in the service drive. They aren't being listened to. Well, what do we do about it? Well, the four of us discuss that challenge and how we would deal with it. Let's get into it. <laughs> all right, all right, compose myself a little bit here. Okay. Um, What I want to do instead of posing a topic question, well, it's kind of a topic question and and I'll let you guys decide what it is and what to do with it, but one of the things that regularly comes up and and I've said this before, but I'm, I'm going to bring it up to you guys to try and pose how to come over it. So during the survey, the thing that comes up the most is that technicians are not listened to on the service drive. So I am constantly trying to find ways to make content, uh, to help through coaching, uh, through consulting, talking with service leaders, how to improve their shop, like we discussed earlier on, you know, special service tools and, and cleanliness and so on and so forth. If you are in a shop, so put yourself, say you're not in the shop that you're in right now, okay? Think about a hypothetical shop that you're in. You are a 15-year veteran technician, all right? Not necessarily a veteran, but a 15-year in the trade, Okay. You are level three certified. So whatever brand that you happen to be in, you've done your beginner training, your your intermediate training, your advanced level training. You are not yet uh, a doctor of the house, but you are getting awfully close to it. So you've got your level three complete. Fifteen years in the trade. You've been at the same store for 15 years. Okay. you're in a store that's got at least 20 techs. So you've got at least six uh, service advisors that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. The entire shop basically prioritizes not being listened to in the service drive at the top of their survey. Meaning it's the worst thing in the shop. It's the most important thing that the service leader needs to correct. You as that technician, what would you do to try and improve your communication so that the service advisor understands you better. Russell, I'd like to hear from you first.
1: <sighs> loaded question. Um, Very loaded question. It depends on if they're willing to, to have a conversation with me or not. Um, because the way I, I communicate, um, I get face to face. We have all these uh, um, machines and everything that you can send messages and all that stuff, but uh, um, you can't get body language. And majority of our communication is through body language. I think only 15% of the spoken word is understood. It's when you actually see what the person is communicating. Whether you see the look in their eyes, whether the light comes on or not, um, and then. I'm, I'm gifted that I can break technical talk down to layman. Um, so I can walk up and say, uh, uh your canuder valve is, uh, um, failing to communicate with your, uh, whatchamacallit and the widget is, uh, not performing correctly. Um, they're going to look, stare at me with a blank look in my face where I can say, so we have, uh, two modules that control a, uh, a, a motor and, um, module a is called the body control module. It, it takes inputs from the switches and then it's telling the, uh, the winch, the, uh, the window motor module to, to go up and down. But in that communication wire in between the two, there's no communication if their light still doesn't come on um then i'll draw them a picture um but the the challenge is when i've done my part and they still won't communicate you know, I can go up and I can ask all day long, um, when you get a noise complaint in, can you give me a call so that I can ride with the customer, and they still won't call? It's worthless. Um, so, some people have a, a good process, and they, they follow that process, and there's good communication. Some people were never taught a process, um, and they're willing to learn. And then some people have a bad process and it's the way they've always done it and get out of their face. Um, if it's one of those latter, I'm already on the job board looking for a new job. Um, so, you know, where I'm at, I have two advisors that do a really good job communicating. And then I have a third one that um, he's just biding his time until he can retire next year. So, one of the advisors that does a good job of communicating, I, you know, I've I've worked on building a relationship with this person so that I can communicate with that person even for dealing with this third advisor's customers. Um, because they work as a team up front, they all get paid out of the same pot. So, you know, if one's, one will pick up the slack for the others. Um, they all know this one particular person's trouble and they they um, they they work together to take care of the customer um, that's so, a lot of weight on
0: their shoulders still that's a lot of weight on their shoulders and i can understand you know if if those two advisors weren't able to communicate as effectively as they are and they happen to be in this challenging like one of the shops that were part of the survey was a very challenging shop. It, they're very, very challenging shop, and the leader is going to have a lot of uphill battles um, that they're that they're going to challenge. There's just no listening going on, and I think the stress on the service advisors who are winning is even higher because they are winning and they're picking up the slack of those that are losing, which then puts a deficit on. The technicians who are having to communicate to the ones that are slacking off, or incapable, or not educated, or not trained, that's a that's a big challenge. I'm I'm happy for you that you're in a place where you've got at least two, you know, you a much higher percentage rate, right? two out of three that are listening, capable of listening, capable of learning, capable of, of communicating back. If you were to identify one of the things that you just said. As you said about four in there that you do specifically what is the most powerful one to help you feel heard uh,
1: I actually am going to use an example uh, a service advisor came out um, gave me a customer pay transmission ticket um, Came back about fifteen minutes later and said, You're covered up with warranty work. I'm gonna take that customer pay and give it to another tech in the shop who doesn't do his training and who well anyway. Mm-hmm. I won't get into the bitterness. Um but anyway, I stewed on that all day and <laughs> the longer the day went, the more pissed off I got. So the next morning I went in and I pulled the advisor aside and I said I want to communicate with you so you understand how I see it from my perspective. I'm back here buried in warranty. I understand you need to get the job through the shop. Uh, I understand what you're trying to do. But when you say something like, well, you're buried under warranty, so I'm going to take this customer pay away, it makes me feel like I'm getting screwed because there went 10 hours of work that I could have made a killing on um to a guy who won't do his training. And so he's being rewarded for not doing his training while I'm struggling doing all this warranty. Um so even if you do need to take it away, don't say that around me because it makes me upset. Um you know, and she was like, "Okay, I really understand, you know, seeing that from your perspective why it would be upsetting to you." And so that was the kind of communication where we were able to work through an issue by just, I expressed how it makes me feel, and she recognized that. I expressed I'm not trying to make her job more difficult. We're just trying to work together as a team. You know, and it was building that team aspect that, that was allowed successful communication. Um, the advisors make their paychecks off the work we do. If they're not going to team work with us, They're not going to make a paycheck. We're not going to make a paycheck. We're all going to be unhappy and the shop's going to suffer. If you can help them understand that what you're saying is to help them be successful, um, then if they're, if they're a good person, they're going to say, yeah, let's work together as opposed to working at at odds with each other.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Marshall, same, same circumstance, buddy. You know, you're in a position where there's a challenge. Russell gave a great example there. He's posed with a challenge, stewed on it. Thankfully, didn't stew on it so badly that he pulled the trigger on given notice. But stewed on it long enough to realize that there was an opportunity to, to win and actually pulled somebody aside and said, this is how I feel. I don't want to make your day miserable, but, you know, you made my day miserable by saying this in not necessarily that circumstance if what would you say is one thing for you that would help you either be and actually sorry let me let me rephrase this more more specifically what is one thing that a service advisor could do and or what you can do to make sure you feel heard
2: yeah so um one thing I know I teach my apprentices this and Russell you're you're doing exactly what I would do is you have to use words that convey your point which is what you're doing or what you did makes me feel this way and if they come to you with what you did makes me feel that way you have to have a confirmation that you heard them correctly and um, I feel like that's really difficult for we are a lot more mature than say our apprentices are and it's, it doesn't hurt me, my pride or anything like that to point out my feelings to someone else, but a lot of younger people, they struggle with the, pointing out their feelings to other people, making themselves feel vulnerable. Um, and so I feel like that's exactly how I would have approached a situation. Hey, what you did really makes me feel this way, this kind of way, however that looks like and um uh and, and you always want to um i feel like you always want to add a possible solution for next time like hey if you could with me personally if you could say it this way to me then that would uh work better for me and if there's anything i can do for you that would help you know and, and then it's kind of a two-way street and it's not all about you and it's not all about them it's a 50 50 you know um awesome and i that's how I would have approached it to you so Richard
3: so this was the whole shop right the whole shop had a communication issue
0: yeah th- this but basically what I'm I'm bringing up is this one particular shop scored um the the surveys you guys all did a did an alpha for me and I appreciate that but the shop life 20 scored at a three zero one two or three and one of the questions is do you feel listened to by the service drive and this particular shop is the only shop that i had where the end result, the the average of all the texts in the shop was zero not 0.1 not zero point something not one point whatever it was dead zero so i want to help the techs out there that feel like they aren't being listened to in the service drive so what's one What's one thing that a service advisor can do, or what's one thing that you as a technician can do, or both, to make sure that you feel heard when you are speaking with a service advisor?
3: Yell at them. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, so the thing is, so for that particular shop, my solution would be you would need to have the support of the entire technician group don't show up to work one day just one day the entire shop does not show up to work they'll listen after that um, but in order to yeah like you I've had several different advisors and they all have Strengths and weaknesses, just like technicians have strengths and weaknesses. Um, like you've all said, communication is the key. You have to talk to your advisors. If you're if if an advisor isn't doing their job, what are they there for? If they're always coming back and grabbing you, they're like to talk to the customer, to deal with the customer. What is the service advisor there for? They're, they're this is gonna. List, I was listening to another. It's a it's a service drive podcast, and somebody had called in and talked about the the impending service advisor shortage, and it's the the attitude was they're not important. They are service advisors were added after the fact. It used to be customers would come up and they would talk directly to the mechanic or the technician, explain their issues, and then dealerships got involved and they created the service advisor drive. The service drive and the service advisor to be that go between between the technician and the customer. If the service advisor is continually grabbing the technician to explain to the customer, it's time to let that advisor go or try and train them up. If, if you've tried up, if you did done due diligence and done your training and they're still refusing to step up to the plate and do their job and communicate with their customers and manage their customers, that's the biggest, issue I have at my location is customer management they're not managing their customers I try and like like the other guys have said it I've always tried to communicate like if I if you know I write my story to reflect everything that I've done on the vehicle if the if it's too technical for the customer to understand I'll break it down for the service advisor um, but if if I'm continually if I find that multiple technicians are continually having the same issue with a single service advisor, then we know that it's not a problem on the technician side. We know it's a problem with the service advisor and we need to either address it or find somebody else for that position. So Mm. that's, uh, that's, yeah, that's, service advisors are are supposed to be the go between. They're supposed to be the buffer between the customer and the technician and hope like a good service advisor, you know, will, the customer will come into the service drive and they'll know the customer's name they've done all their due diligence they've you know they've they've wagged the dog they know the customer's name they know their kids they don't even really talk about the vehicle they're they're talking about like hey what brings you in today you know and they address all those issues but when it comes to there's a breakdown in communication between the the service drive it's usually the service drive and parts and the shop those three integrate together if there's a breakdown anywhere you got to find where it is and fix it. And if it comes down to, um, personnel clashing, then you got to figure out who you're going to keep. Right. Um, that's the unfortunate part. Like there was, we've been over, there's been multiple posts about toxic employees and, uh, you have to catch that quickly. It doesn't matter if they're a high performer. I think John, uh, John Frazier who had that post about high prof- toxic high performers, mm-hmm. you still got to get rid of them. You can't. It, it doesn't matter. You know, um, once the well's poisoned, you you can't. You got to get rid of it. You can't. It doesn't matter how much they bring to the the table. You, it's time. It's time to move on. But yeah, nothing kills shop
0: morale faster than tolerating toxicity.
1: Yeah, I had something to we add. Jump in. Uh, Marshall, go ahead and then I'll, I'll go after him. Okay,
2: so um, like if I was talking directly to a technician, if there was a technician in that position, Joshua, that you were talking about with mm-hmm. said shop, they're in this situation and say it's one of my buddies and he was like, dude, what do I do? How do I help fix this problem that we have at our shop? Um, if I was in that position and I was trying to give them advice Um, from my point of view um, when I come into a new shop I always find the technician that has the influence there's a technician in every shop that has the influence that has the ear of whoever's in charge the service manager the branch manager whatever somebody that can do something and there is one technician in every shop at least that has the influence to make things happen um, or you can tell them something knowing that they will go to the service manager and say hey we've got a problem here with said technician and or multiple technicians that needs to be addressed or we're going to lose a bunch of technicians because that person you typically that has the the influence in the shop, they care about the shop. That's why they have the influence because the other technicians look to them as a leader in the store to make things happen or help facilitate the things happening. So I would say if you are a technician in a shop that's having a problem like that, there is a technician there that has influence that may not be utilizing it, um, but is the leader in the store uh, on the floor and I would say you should go to that person and say, hey, I'm having this problem, Joe is having that same problem, Bob is having that same problem, and um, we need you to help us figure out a way to get this, our point across the service manager. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of times I find myself in that position of influence, so, and I, sometimes you can wear that heavily, so if you're the technician in that shop that has the influence, and you're thinking, oh, I don't want to let everybody down, or it's a heavy crown to bear. That's, that's what being a leader is about, I feel like. You, it's your responsibility to go handle it. That's why everybody gave you the influence. That's why they gave you the possibility of being the leader. So you're going to have to suck it up and go to the, the service manager or whoever. Take it as far as you have to, because I know I would. I would go as far as I up the chain I had to to make it happen to uh, make the lives of my other technicians uh, <laughs> more positive. So mm-hmm. I, don't, okay. I was just thinking about that and I just want to throw that point out. Ew.
1: What's up, Russell? On the on the individual level. Um, so you're saying this shop had what six advisors something like that. Um No, it, its an, I,
0: I haven't given even close to what the actual shop is. I'm just giving a representation. I can't give too much away.
1: okay well then i will I will choose to use that six as a as an example. I did work in a big shop one time that had a number of advisors. Um, what I found worked the best was to go and talk to the advisors individually um, and pick an ally. Among the advisors, get to know that person on a personal level. You know, me as a technician, knew his name, knew his wife, knew what cars he had, what he, you know, what he really enjoyed about them, and what he didn't like. Um, you know, I had I built a relationship with the person, and then when I had issues, I could talk to him. Like, hey, you know, this last repair order when it came in, it was written up this way. Um, but I didn't really understand what the customer complaint was because you know, it's missing um, these steps. Uh, you know, can, we, can we do it this way in the future? And um, because I had a personal relationship with that person, then they actually modified their behavior because there was a relationship there. There was, I obviously cared about them at least that's how it appeared to them. And so, you know, they cared about my opinion because I had built a relationship with them. Now there's, you know, the shop that I currently work in, there used to be an advisor that worked here. Everybody hated this particular advisor because there was no working with them. They were, they were that kind of person. Um, and eventually they, uh, they got moved on. Um, but then we had a character in the shop that started attacking the new advisor that replaced him the same way um, well that individual, the mechanic needed to move on um, once that mechanic moved on so there was two toxic individuals there was a toxic mechanic, a toxic advisor um, once the two of them moved on then we have built a very good team environment here for all parties involved um, so I would think that on an individual level for the mechanic, try to build a relationship. I know in the shop, we do a lot of bashing. You know, try to get a rise above that negativity um, and build an individual relationship. If you can't work with one, try to work with another until you find and can, and work with these people. If none of them are workable, as Marshall said, go up the chain far as you got to. But usually in a group of say, 3 to 6 there's at least one person that you can work with.
0: Mm. Okay. Cool. So that's all great advice. And where I was leading to is is perhaps even more simple than than you guys are leading to. Um I did an assessment on 3 techs. I've I've done assessments on 3 techs in the last 3 weeks um to do coaching with. And none of them use the word respect when talking about advisors none of them used inferred directly or indirectly the word respect and i think one of the, our one of our first questions i think we all ended up with with answers that led to some form or another of respect how we speak and i think one of the things that's not taught not taught in school and it's definitely not specifically taught in the shop and it's not taught in, the, taught in the service drive either, is the understanding of how important respect is. Respect between departments, respect between authority, respect between uh, those of us in the shop. We regularly use sarcasm, dismissive behavior, uh, diminished or demeaning comments, um, dark humor to those who don't necessarily understand it threatening language even when it's to us it might be just another day at the office understanding and respecting the person that we're talking to especially if it's an advisor not a tech i don't think and and i haven't i've genuinely not talked to enough service advisors to be able to understand fully but they are such a different kind of person a person who can be successful in the service drive is a completely different kind of person than a person that's successful in the shop and i think as mechanics we forget that we are different than those folks that are in the service drive and we don't necessarily give them a chance to be different those folks that i've i've interviewed in the last couple of weeks again haven't use the word respect or inferred respect when talking to a service advisor so if i could say to any of the mechanics out there listening what's one thing that they can do better tomorrow to make sure that they feel heard is to make sure that the language the words the tone the body language the facial expressions all represent a, a shall we say an overall tone of respect for the person that you're talking to you might not understand it and you may not necessarily agree with it. They, you may think that the person in front of you doesn't necessarily deserve your respect because they haven't earned it. But in this circumstance, like the shop that, that I'm I'm kind of inferring to, they need to start giving a bit of respect before they're ever going to get any respect because there's there's nothing on the table right now. There's no respect on the table. So one side needs to be the bigger person take the high road and start giving some even if it's just calm simple language nothing condescending no la- no offensive language no no diminished value of, of what the other person is saying just be respectful and i think from a roundabout way other than richard's mantra of having the shop walk out i think fundamentally respect is going to be the best course of action to try and pull pull that zero up to something so that you as a mechanic team can feel listened to oh no that's the end of another episode wrenches. thank you for stopping by and having a listen and for those of you watching thank you very much thank you gentlemen it continues to be an honor every time we get to sit down together share our knowledge, share our stories, and our life experiences. Hopefully, between the four of us and sharing it with the world, somebody, somewhere, get something out of it that helps them be happier, healthier, and more productive at work. Remember, folks, to subscribe to the Registerers Podcast on your streaming service of choice, whether it's Spotify, Anchor, or here on YouTube. Thank you very much for Subscribing, it really helps us grow and get that message out. If you happen to be listening and you have questions, you want to be on the show, questions about products, questions to the team, to the the team at 10 mil Masteries, shout, send me an email to Leader at JustWorkHard. Thank you very much for listening. And remember, negative pushes, positive pulls, and always clean your toys before you put them away.